South Carolina can win this football game, but it takes Georgia doing something active, not South Carolina doing something. South Carolina has to play their best game. Uh, everybody has to click. Everything has to go right for them. They probably need some turnovers, and Georgia just has to look totally uninterested or in some other way keep shooting themselves in the foot. Frankly, in a way we haven't seen a Kirby Smart coach yeah. team do, even the first season. South Carolina's highest points are totally dependent yeah. on, at the minimum, Clemson, Florida, and Georgia not being good all in the same year. Yeah. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 198 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Today is our pregame show for the Georgia versus South Carolina game, and I'm joined as usual by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. In this episode, we start off by hearing Tony's brief thoughts on the Dogs' 29-point victory versus Tennessee because he was unable to join Will and me for the postgame show. We then jump into a bit of a Gamecock preview and Tony goes off on what he truly thinks about the city of Columbia, South Carolina. It's pretty funny to hear. We add in some NLDS Braves Cardinals talk, and we get off topic. <laughs> well, a lot in this episode. We do get off topic, but it's a fun one indeed. And yeah, we get off topic, so you get the idea. You'll also hear our buy or sell. We've got a trivia section as well. And of course, we pick the winners of the SEC and National Games of the Week. Thanks so much for tuning us in. And here's Tony. To kick us off, the only real concerning thing about the game is that Georgia has shown a propensity in nearly every game to take a drive or so to get their feet under them defensively. That's fine when you're playing teams that you know you can overpower with your offense. I'm not terribly worried about it because I don't know that we will face a team that I'm going to put a pin in Florida for a second. Mm. Um, Auburn, if Bo Nix doesn't play like a freshman, or Texas A&M, if Kellen Mond doesn't play, whatever. So, you know, the reality is is that we never the game never felt out of reach. Um, we shot ourselves in the foot three times on one drive. We ended up in a field goal, and then the next drive, it felt like we were trying some stuff offensively to just see what would work. And when it didn't, we sent Rodrigo in there to kick field goal. Like I said, the only concern I have is I think uh, a, a concern y'all echoed fairly well is like, Offensively, we just looked like we were playing around a little bit. And defensively, on that one drive, before everybody freaks out about being 14 points, it was one drive. I mean, yeah. it was a blown coverage. If if I were Jim Chaney, I would have called exactly the same play from the first play of scrimmage or second play of scrimmage in this case because DJ Daniel will bite on that inside move, as will the count. Exactly what happened. Um, in, 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 in the first play of the game when everyone's all hyped up. Right. That's right. That's right. Everybody wants to make a big play. In the next drive, give Cheney credit. He called uh, He called and, a good and, and bunch listen, of plays. He made some big throws on that drive, too. Yeah, he did. He, he did. Was, he, was, he was on a heater. He did. And um, I think after that drive, um, Georgia realized that, oh, wait a minute. We don't have to put our folks on the island in the mm-hmm. defensive backfield. We can bring pressure. And essentially, we ran the, ran the same twist stunt from uh, opposite sides of the line, almost alternating. It was it was kind of weird. Um, somebody has the time to go back and look at that. It just felt like, all right, we're going to run from the left, or we're going to run it from the right. Um, so overall, I'm you know I'm not I'm never going to be disappointed in a 29 win on the road to finally take a serious lead we hadn't had since I was literally in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, we looked really, really, really good on defense after that second, after the second touchdown. And the offense is just cruising in a way that, like, I mean, there's serious. I mean, and I don't even feel like they hit fifth yeah. gear. Yeah, yeah. 
And and to me, as I kind of mentioned on the post game show, the only things that concern me uh, about the game are things that would concern me even if they'd have run out to a twenty eight nothing lead, mm-hmm. which are the penalties, penalties. and the punting, and, and particularly those, the poise penalties. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right, right, there right. is no need. There's no need, and I'm sure that David Marshall heard from coaches about this far more than anyone will. There's no need to hit that guy there. Yeah. I mean. And it's, it's not like his style. Like, it was a weird. It was yeah, like it was. Her. And then Matt Landers, of course, was not the one that illegally used <laughs> his hands, but whatever. The cager penalty was clearly a penalty. Yeah. Still was the most incredible catch. You know My God, what It a was catch. almost worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's, uh, what also was amazing was they called a uh, face mask against or on Brian Harrion. Yeah. George benefited from a face mask. Yeah. He grabbed his collar. Yeah, he got him around the collar. I mean, so the refs all in all just, I mean. <laughs> they were not They game. were not having a great day. Um, it all was made worth it. They were also day. almost out of refs by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well. And that well, second one almost died. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there were two things my wife uh, basically said she wanted. Uh, the first is uh, we got, which is a picture of um, Mauer getting folded over like a cheap table. The second is she really, really, really wanted uh, some sort of still shot of the ref in <laughs> in various states of falling down. Um, I think she was as happy about the ref getting plowed over because, you know, I mean, she's a lovely person. And she understands the game of football really well. But she also was very frustrated at the, at the officiating. I, I my general thought. That, let me be this last thing on Tennessee. That Mauer hit to and the and the and the, the run back. I it's funny. I people always say in baseball, don't worry, we're not going to talk about baseball. Um, but people always say about baseball, the triple is the most exciting play. Like it's not necessarily yeah. the best play, but yeah, the triple. Yeah. I have to tell you that like the big hit. To a pickup and run the other way for six. That's personally my favorite play in football. Like that is, yeah. and it is, is just beautiful. And it's it, also it wasn't a cheap hit. It was a perfect hit. Textbook. That was right on him. Like it was exactly what you'd want to have it happen. And like Mara was hurt, but like I mean he was stunned, but he wasn't like <laughs> I assumed he yeah. crapped out his gallbladder. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the thing. But it's not like he had a concussion, so you can right. feel like it's like a good, clean, hard football hit. Yeah. Uh, it's a blind side, so it's just particularly awesome because it's, it's the same way. That Wiley E. Coyote does not know <laughs> that the Roadrunner has painted a whole. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Like that is the beauty of it, right? Like that is why that play. I, that is my personal favorite play in football, and uh, and to have that happen, it feels like no matter what happens this season. That is going to be one of the top five clips that we see forever from this year. And you can tell that the targeting penalties that are called and whatever they're coaching, he did. You could almost see it in slow motion where he. Moved his shoulder yeah. to the left so he wouldn't spear him and he wouldn't they, target him. They did flag him though, right? No, 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 no. Oh, they didn't. Okay, there's another one they no. flagged and they they waved it off after like. Oh yeah, they, yeah. You were like tweeting they, like that, they seriously they seriously walked. Oh, it's almost you, like they walked to the cameras like you don't have to look at bro. Yeah. You tweeted out Rameek Wilson Vanderbilt after that. Call. Yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah, that was it like was. Such it was on the count. Yeah, yeah, it was and, on the count. You literally you saw it and people are yelling like. That's a football play. He yeah. tackled him. Yeah. 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 That, that definitely feels like one of those that the replay officials were like, uh, the pl- call has been overturned, and also we'd like to personally apologize right. to Michelle LeCount for, for the disparagement. And then he gets name. the pick the very yeah. next play. Yeah. So, yeah. But to, to me, like, that's the thing. People want to get freaked out about 14-10, 14-13. I get it. But there were so many awesome highlights in this game, and it felt like, again, as I said in the postgame show, it was it was. It was a fun Saturday night. It was I don't really get it. fun. And again, Kirby Smart did not look like someone who was screaming at his players after that game. No. He was giddy. He was silly. It was a really, really fun game. Once you get past, if you if there was any puckering for the first uh, quarter and a half, I will reiterate it. 
like I said on the postgame podcast, I wasn't worried because Fromm is such a field general out there. I just had complete faith yeah. in him. And really, the only game he's ever not shown up to was LSU last year. LSU, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, he was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome. And it felt whatever. They, they claim they don't read this stuff. They obviously do. I don't think it's a coincidence that comes a week after after a week full of fields from from fields. Yeah, they, from. I heard you talk about that, and that, that that was interesting to me. In that, if you've listened to this podcast more than twice, you know that I, I continue to hold to the theory that Georgia still is opening the playbook as we go, and as Fromm gets more comfortable with those receivers, we'll see more of that. And we certainly did this game. I mean, that we talked about the the cager. Offensive pass penalty. That was what a thirty-six yard, essentially out to the corner of the end zone, uh, where you get your best receiver one-on-one with their best cornerback, and it's a fifty-fifty ball. And then also uh, the tunnel screen. Yeah, the tunnel again. screen. That's right. The tunnel Robertson screen. Robertson just up. ran yeah. away from people like Champ Bailey. Used to yeah, do. you don't trust a quarterback that you don't think can make a throw like that. You don't. You don't trust a quarter or your quarterback to make a fifty-fifty throw thirty-six yards downfield <laughs> in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. On second down, you just don't do that. He's awesome, man. He's awesome, and I uh, and it's uh, so that Eason lost. Eason had a really terrible game. Did not this have week. a great game. So uh, I don't and, know. and what did uh, Ohio State won nearly the same score, yeah. thirty four to ten. This or was something actually like Fields' that. worst game this week. This is actually yeah. probably the worst game he had. It's just I, I have to say I love Jake, Jacob Eason, and I think Fields is awesome, and I will defend him against anyone that goes after him. But man, am I really glad that Jake Fromm is Georgia's quarterback? Yeah, hundred percent. So the line for this week it opened at. Minus twenty four, about the same as uh, Tennessee. Do really? You, that do is... you agree with that, or do you see that they are giving uh, South Carolina a little bit more credit? Well, if you look at it this way, Georgia won the prior game by twenty nine points against a team that's probably demonstrably worse than South Carolina. Add back in the three, a touchdown demonstrably worse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, and the fact that a lot of the country just saw the way that this game started. Yeah, and so they're that's just right. close for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, and they're coming know, off the buy. You know, Vegas doesn't lose money, but yeah, twenty four seems right. Basically, you deduct the touchdown and add back the three points. I also think the game time is a this sure. makes of yeah. a little bit of a sleepy start. Yeah, uh, I think there's no question. There's also again, unlike Tennessee, it's not a game that Kirby Smart's going to go doing cartwheels around because he crushed the opposing coach. Like this is a guy that he is obviously close with and uh, has a connection with, and I don't think it's going to go out and just try to. That's a good point. You could tell the relationship that he has with coaches by how he celebrates a big win. I mean, I I actually agree with that. I totally agree with that. And and I think that him and Muschamp obviously have such a history together. Uh, It's hard to imagine him getting giddy and wanting to just completely crush them. So I think it's a reasonable it's a reasonable number. The dogs have won four in a row in this series. They have a uh, 51, 18, and two all-time record. That's one of the highest versus any other uh, SEC opponent. Uh, they've never lost to South Carolina when we've been doing this podcast. Yay. So, I, I guess that's... Yeah. We've yeah. never had to do a depressing South Carolina beat Georgia podcast on a, on a Sunday. So that's also... a. Uh, something to note. SEC Nation, for what it's worth, will be here. Oh. They're going to broadcast from Myers Quad from 10 a.m. to 12. It's kind of like the B team. They don't get the extra yeah. hour yeah. that game day does. I think it's Tim Tebow, Paul Feinbaum, yeah. uh, Marcus Spears, and someone else uh, that'll be locked up on Myers Quad, a place where I used to live during my freshman year. It was really a great place to uh, to live, centrally located. 
I've uh, stayed there a couple times. You Whatever. stayed there? Yeah, you, in college. I got you. Yeah. Um, play-by-play <laughs> and, guy. And the walk of shame. Yes, walk of that's shame. what we were getting at. The play-by-play guy. I really am a fan of Bob Wischusen. I can't pronounce his Wischusen, name. Yeah. Wischusen. Very well, but uh, I think he does a good job play-by-play. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, former Connecticut mm-hmm. quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then a girl named Allison Williams. I, I'm not sure who Orlovsky she is. Orlovsky, uh, he's actually kind of a rising star yeah. at ESPN. He's actually does one he's of the, the few new guys, Jesse Palmer. And he's one of the few guys that does college football and the NFL, which is a really good yeah. sign of how much they like him on that show. Wow. He does okay. college football. He, he was a, I, just, I was just literally at the, uh, doing the rowing machine after my run this morning watching him on Get Up uh, talking about the NFL games last night. That is, uh, that's, a, that's, that's verified there to get to do both. Yeah. Couple more points. South Carolina is the second of five teams that Georgia plays coming off a bye. Tennessee had a bye, as well as Georgia. South Carolina had a bye, or is coming off a bye. Florida will have a bye. Missouri and Auburn will have a bye. So uh, Kirby was asked about that in the press conference today, and he was like, look, we can't control that or the game time, so we just got to deal with it. I think it's interesting that uh, he is that chill about it because. It, it does matter a little bit, especially when you're playing these. I mean, I think Tennessee clearly had spent time getting ready and knew exactly how they wanted their – could have not, not have gone better for them, at least offensively, the first two drives. Doesn't surprise me if we see some of the same things. I mean, Muschamp is a head coach. Um, he has some good coaches working for him. But they also have – I mean, look, they, they gave Alabama a tussle for a couple of quarters, and I'm not – I don't want to play the, right. you know, comparing to Alabama thing. I mean, that game was relatively close early. And, I mean, we'll talk about Helensky in a minute. But he, he had a pretty decent game, especially considering it was, what, second start? Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting, though. It does matter a little bit coming off those buys as many as we have seen. And also combine the fact that Georgia probably got into Athens after midnight on Saturday or early Sunday. South Carolina sitting there and then the 12 o'clock kickoff. So it's a yeah. quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, one more point. Saturday, October 12th. Is that right? Yeah, Saturday, October 12th will mark the 90th anniversary of the first game ever at Sanford Stadium, which was cool. October 12th, 1929. This isn't trivia, but do you know which team they played? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Yes. Yale. They Yale won Bulldogs. 15 to nothing. And you know why? Um, no. Oh, Georgia, yeah, yeah, yes. Georgia's founder, Abraham right, Baldwin, right. right. has a, he was a Yale man, so... Yeah. Uh, there's a there is a strong connection between mm-hmm. Yale and UGA, and of course at the time Yale was a powerhouse, yeah, football right, powerhouse. Of course, of course. If you ever get a chance to go to a game at the Yale Bowl, it is very. I've very driven cool. by and seen it. it I've never very, been. Very cool. What city is that in? Uh, New Haven, Connecticut. My uh, uh, Alexa's father and her sister went to Yale, and uh, William, my son, is obsessed with Yale basketball. Okay, and so he goes to uh, him and his, and my Alexa are going to New Haven to go see a basketball game this year, and all the, <gasps> all, the all the Yale people are going, all the Yale people from her side of the Buffalo. Of fame, they're all going, and uh, so yeah, Yale is a big deal. They, when they played Georgia Tech last year in basketball, they went and uh, so went to go see them play there too. That's pretty cool. So, what are the chances of scheduling Yale in twenty twenty nine for the hundred year anniversary? I have to say, I would think good. Like that feels like something you should do, right? Yeah, I mean they're FCS ish yeah. team. I mean they don't they don't participate in the playoffs, but. Uh, well, sure, isn't the thing you only do one of those every two years, right? Isn't that the thing? I mean, you don't see. Now, that I come to think of it, I don't. don't I can't think of any Ivy League, teams Ivy League play, team. Maybe right. Cornell plays Syracuse, but you don't. You don't I normally don't see so. those teams yeah, you're right, you're right, play. You're right. um, Man, that is something they should really do. do you, that would be really cool to consider. 
Yeah. So that would be really. But who knows? We could be yeah. playing twenty conference games. Yale, Yale will totally uh, take a money game if it. You know. Uh, if, yeah, they. We it, know how you, much Yale's hurting. If you, if your son needs to like, get on the rowing team or something, I'm not. I didn't star in sports night. I can't pull that off. <laughs> or Full House. Or was the CEO of a major law firm? Yeah. Or coach volleyball at USC. I don't know. I mean, just to name a few people. <laughs> um, so when we think about this game, uh, getting down the actual breakdown of the game, you know, one of the things that keeps occurring to me is we saw potentially the worst team in the conference. I, I, I remain I remain to think that Vanderbilt over the course of the season probably will end up being the worst team in the conference. Um, but Tennessee's not that far Ahead of them, yeah. um, I think that's a lot of coaching. But they actually were well coached. I thought they played well. Um, it Did was, you read that great uh, uh, athletic piece about how that stretch they had in the first game? Yeah, uh, was like the perfect moment for Tennessee, and they've been trying against Georgia. Yeah, and then they've been trying to live up to that moment then and failed. Yeah, it feels like they may have had a couple of moments in that, like that first quarter and a half. Like that's. That's that's like well, the, certainly offensively. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's going to be the the, the 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 dream board, the the dream catcher, the vision board, vision board that uh, that they've got uh, moving forward. Yeah, but when you look at South Carolina, the, a couple of things they do. First off, they can run the ball a little better than Tennessee can. The other thing is their linebackers are better than Tennessee's linebackers, uh, which presents a different set of problems when you try to run the football. Of course, um, and the the other thing is, I think Maurer is going to be a pretty good SEC quarterback. He showed panache. He had some pretty nervy throws, yeah. and he did a pretty good job of reading the field. I mean, yeah. I mean, on that drive after that, I mean, well, I mean, some of the other drives. Once were he got hit fight, a couple times, he got hit a couple times, once, and then it, that changed. Yeah, and and I was about we, to say, I was about to say, I mean, I think Holinsky will probably show a little more pocket presence after he gets hit. He's got hit. a bigger arm, like and he's he has more a, naturally skilled. Right, he has right. a bigger arm, and that's where the that's what concerns me. I'm yeah. not concerned about Georgia losing this game, everybody. Right. So let's just calm that right. down, but. It's possible that Helensky is going to be out there throwing some some forty yard you know dimes and causing us some heartburn, um, and unless we can either get to him or we figure out a way to bracket receivers in a way that makes uh, makes him nervous. I mean, Brian Edwards is kind of his go to guy. It, what surprised me when I looked at the some of the stats was I just assumed Edwards had a lot had a lot more receptions and yards than he did, and they're not nearly as impressive as. Um, as I thought, offensively and um, you know defensively, they have they haven't done great. I mean, they started the season off losing to a North Carolina team who's turned out to be fine, right. uh, not not great, not bad. But that loss doesn't look as bad as it did at the time. It does not look as bad. And of course, they beat Charleston Southern. They uh, and uh, you know Helinski's second start with Alabama. I don't remember what the score of that game was, but I mean they scored some points and Alabama was in. It was not a a, a stain by the side of the road. No, it was actually it looked a lot like. It, it, let's let's assume that Tennessee had played a little better through the through the second quarter. It, um, like Tennessee, it kept us from scoring that that right. second time, right. and it's seventeen fourteen instead of right. what was it twenty four fourteen or whatever the score was at halftime. Um, and then uh, you know the Missouri game. They just got beat by a better team, right? And that's when you think about what you see this week. So they've got what three wins so far? Or two. They're wins? two and three. So can we, are there six wins on their schedule? Uh, you mean are there four more wins? Yeah. Let's they see. Got? They are at Kentucky, Florida at home, at Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll count that as one. Vandy. Yes. App State. Yes. Oh yeah, they got six wins totally. What's after you think App State? So? At A and M, Clemson. 
The better win that App State game. Got to win that App State game. <laughs> better win the App State game. Have you better win, win that Kentucky App State game. game. Yeah, yeah. you win that Kentucky game. You win that App State game. Oh, they already beat Kentucky. Oh yeah, so they got to beat yeah. App State. Yeah, they got to yeah. beat App State. So, so State. Um, you know, they're... that's a tough non-conference game to take when you need six for a bowl. Yeah, yeah. App State, <laughs> especially when Clemson's your permanent, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, your permanent tough. state rival. That's tough. So, what do we think generally about AJ Muschamp uh, um, moving is forward? He in trouble. I don't think Not he's now. in trouble. Not now. I don't think he's in trouble. I think the highest expectations they would have had for him have been tempered, but I also think that there is a level of stability I think he's brought to them that they kind of needed. Well, I also think they're willing to look past. I mean, they they lost probably the best receiver they've ever had last year was Samuel. Who was the running back? Uh, 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 Tyson Williams, running back they lost. I mean, they, they lost a couple of key players that were actually big-time players for them. I, we don't know whether Bentley would have regressed. He got hurt, right, right, but he right. did not look great in that first game against North Carolina. And um, maybe this is a transition they needed to kind of do anyway. Well, I think the one thing that works in his favor is he has, at least at this point in the season, stayed out screwing around with the offense, which is what right. got him in trouble in Florida, right? You know, we can have a debate whether or not he was – whether he is super elite head coaching material. I don't but, know. Can we have that debate anymore? Well, like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying, not saying he's no, bad. I'll take that back. I'm not saying he's I don't bad. think he's super elite head coach of material. I mean, can he recruit well enough, coach well enough, and style the offensive game plan well enough to win, you know, eight or nine games, occasionally win 10 games at South Carolina? Probably. It also depends on how, how good Georgia stays, how good Florida gets under Mullen, which I'm still not willing to say that I'm a believer. Um, it also depends on. The kind of their yearly cross rivalry schedule. If Texas A&M gets good, I mean, you start to have to take away. I mean, if your ceiling is three wins because the teams you face every year Georgia, are just Carol, Georgia, Clemson, A&M, Georgia, Clemson, A&M, or Georgia, well, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, yeah, and A&M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's tough, man. At some point, you have to recognize exactly where your place in the firmament is. And like, I'm not going to argue. I will not argue the point about South Carolina being really good. Um, under Spurrier, of course they were really good, but that was that didn't happen in a vacuum. Florida was in. They also never really got over the top. Well, they never got over the top. Look, yeah. their only conference championship was in the ACC, yeah. right? They won. Missouri has more East Division championships than they do. Um, <laughs> is that right? I don't know. If, it sounds right. So yeah. let's go with that. I don't. I don't think uh, they have two. You know, what, you know what they did have? They had back to back ten win seasons with Lou Holtz, and they beat Ohio State twice in the Outback Bowl or something like that. That was the first time they had back to back ten win seasons. That was the first time they won back to back bowl games. So maybe so, Muschamp is like the perfect coach for this team, right? Well, and, he, he think, is until he's not. But right? that's the thing. Is he's clearly not a disaster. Like. Pruitt as a disaster is not – it's on the table. doesn't mean he definitely is, but it could be that he's a disaster there. We have seen disaster coaches. I don't, and I, I don't think Muschamp was a truly a disaster in Florida. I think Florida is just has his own kind of lunatic stuff going on. He was pretty bad. He was bad, but like – was he Zook bad? Zook beat Georgia. Um, I think if we look at the schedules for Zook and Muschamp had a very similar record. I have to say, Illinois was like, Zook stinks. Get this guy out of here. Now we're like, please, can we have Zook back? By, by so. the way, I found out that uh, Jim McElwain is coaching again. Yeah, he's at Bowling Green State University or something. Central Michigan. Oh, yeah. No, the bourbon, not the... Oh, yeah. So, your, okay. your phone's interesting. I'll give too, you a score. Right? I'm trying to give you the score. Okay. It was 4-1 snatch. 5-1 snatch. That's... We have um, not talked to any baseball yet. I'm very proud of all of us. Yeah. Very proud of me particularly. I had all wow. my Braves hats laid out. I'm wearing a Braves hat. Which one Will was going to have to wear for a photo. 
It's not over. So, but when we get, See, I'm sorry. What kind of true Braves fan would use victory as a presumption? By the way. Oh, I know. No, that's why I didn't like send you a picture. Or I'm anything. just ha- look. I am just happy we have home field advantage in the wild card. To game. be clear, by the way, to be clear, just just, just what we're talking about. We are taping this literally right after Game Four of yeah. the Cardinals Braves yeah. series uh, ended. So yeah. yeah. So, that's so if you're still stranded on base, Braves listener, um, this is why. And I've been pretty freaking cool about it so yes. far. If you don't yes. mind me, yeah. Saying. No, I think it's I think it's great. We we can talk about last night's ninth inning if you like. We can talk about the ball all you want. Yeah, yeah. By the way, actually, I, that guy. He is I can't Evan. believe you didn't already have a jersey. I ordered one last Good. night. Good for Not you. For me. Had one already. Not for Good me, for but for my uh, your daughter, my middle son okay. Walker, because Walker. all they had was was uh, youth small. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, Walker, you're getting a Duval jersey. Yeah. Jack's like, what about me? I'm like, they didn't have a medium or large, and I'm not a big jersey wearer guy. Yeah, I am a jersey wearer. Guy. I know. Um, not not a college football jersey wearer guy. You don't wear like one. Yeah, it, it, you know, if you like, I've I've moderated on this. If that's what you like to wear, yeah, that's what, what I you agree. wear. I agree. Don't I just me. think you look silly. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I moderated so, uh, no, a I, little. If, if we're doing jersey rules, don't put your own name on the back unless you're a kid, and uh, if, or unless if, the player's name your kid. Is yeah, or Duvall. Right, right, right. If your player's name, yeah, is right. that's probably right. Um, where uh, so where, where were we? I just why I didn't um, bring up baseball. So no, no, it's fine. We we could talk about yeah. Um, so you know, defensively, I really don't know what they they are. I mean, like I don't. I mean, do you have their their schedule in front of you? I don't recall them giving up a ton of points. Right, I just don't think they've scored many points. I think it's like twenty four to seventeen. Or if they win seven or eight games every year, is that fine? For some of their, their fan base, probably not enough of them for long enough. I mean, look, can Muschamp stay there as long as he gets them bowl eligible every year? And they beat Clemson sometimes or beat Georgia sometimes or beat Florida sometimes or, you know, yeah, probably. But there are also South Carolina fans who literally believe that that Joe Morrison, who was their, their coach back in the early 80s when they had George Rogers, is – um, by the way, Joe, Joe Morrison did. They they took them a lot of places, like you know the Blockbuster Bowl. Um, so, but yeah, Scott, I know the score of the North Carolina game was like a three point game, right? Twenty four twenty one. Okay. What, uh, then they beat Charleston Southern seventy two to ten. God, okay. that was before Helensky took over, correct? I think Helensky took uh, over in that game. Okay, okay. Yes, because he had two hundred eighty two yards passing passing in that game, and then uh, they lost to Alabama forty seven to twenty three. Yeah, okay. totally I, respectable. Yeah, I knew they scored. Totally they, and, that, and I want to say that game was something along the lines of like twenty four sixteen and a half. His uh, passing yards in that. 324. Yeah, good for him. I'm telling you. And, and listen, I've said this before. He has an incredible story. His family. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah, tell that story just in case people don't know. Just to remind you, uh, his brother, Tyler, mm-hmm. his brother, Tyler, was the quarterback at Washington State. Uh, he had just co- brought them back to, from an incredible, remember they had that bowl, the incredible mm-hmm. bowl game victory, and he was clearly being primed to be the next superstar quarterback at Washington State, and, and, and just people were completely excited about it. And then the offseason, he killed himself. He killed himself, uh, and he was absolutely on top of the world. And, uh, and the rebellion theory is CTE. So they they did find CTE in his brain after after he killed himself. Uh, but I don't know if that's considered the entire prevailing. I don't think the family says it's solely uh, because of that. There's something unknowable, obviously, yeah. about all of it. And uh, so they found some, but not like a Dave Duerson esque extreme sort of amount. But it's, it is an unbelievably tragic story, and um, and I would recommend. Um, 
uh, you read the great ESPN story about this. It is a really, really sad story. And the family, uh, not only uh, they're dealing with the grief, but dealing with the fact that they have a younger brother who they have a young, his younger brother who also is now a big shot quarterback at yes, that starting SEC quarterback his freshman year. Uh, it's really an amazing story. So um, uh, I, I highly recommend looking up the story of the Linsky family. It is uh, it, it's very impressive, and they have they have a great uh, charity. Yeah, who who did the article for was it ESPN or Yahoo? They had a no, girl. it was ESPN. It's because um, uh, the story written by my who, of course, his son also killed himself uh, about a year before Helensky. So the family has actually let him in for a level of detail you do not typically get with this type of story. Yeah, I saw the story. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and Mizell is such a great writer anyway, and obviously his, his close personal connection to it. So to me, I, I know making fun of uh, other SEC quarterbacks is uh, half of the fun of being an SEC football fan. Right. I will confess over the next four years, I'll have a little bit of trouble of doing that with with Helensky. Yeah. Well, um, his passing yardage versus Missouri, which they lost really bad game, was about 160 yards, and then versus Kentucky, he had 140. So he's come back down to earth, which makes me wonder, like, how was he so effective? Was it almost like what uh, Mauer did, yeah, you know, kind of so. coming in, like how we you explained the right. pitcher from the minor leagues? Yeah, I like how you, you like, you know, this first, now that you came a couple times to the batting order, you can't yeah, realize what like, Oh, I see what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also then, and also you're, you're too, when you first start, you're too dumb to know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. And you can just start making throws. And then all of a sudden you well, hit once, you see a coverage you haven't seen before, and all of a sudden everything starts getting sideways. Yeah. And, and Helensky had a really freshman play I want to say it was I think it was against Missouri where basically the ball was he threw the ball it was batted by a lineman and the ball came back to him and instead of either catching it or knocking it down he knocked it backwards yes and somebody picked it up for an easy scoop and scored yeah. like literally a three-step the worst possible thing he could have done right I think that game took place during Georgia Notre Dame so I wasn't paying much attention it's to altogether it. possible it did <laughs> um yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I am exactly right. That was on the 21st. Yeah. And how'd they do against Kentucky? They won 24-7. 24-7. And they, they had oh, lost. I remember watching that game. That game was not. It was terrible. It was not great. On no, neither account. That, was, the other, was that night that uh, Georgia was off and there yeah. was nothing on late Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, I remember that game. It was a struggle fest on both sides. Yeah. I don't think the reasoning changes any from last week, right? South Carolina can win this football game, but it takes Georgia doing something active, not South Carolina doing something. South Carolina has to play their best game. Uh, everybody has to click. Everything has to go right for them. They probably need some turnovers, and Georgia just has to look totally uninterested or in some other way keep shooting their shows in the foot. Frankly, in a way, we haven't seen a Kirby Smart coach yeah. team do, even the first season. So, yeah. Yeah. Other than Vanderbilt. Well, they're oh. – <laughs> Sorry. So South Carolina is <laughs> – Three and Georgia and, Tech. No, I'm sorry. They're not three and two. They're two and three. They've got Georgia oh, and yeah. Florida coming up. So they're probably going to be two and five. Yeah, that's what we're just talking about. Tennessee, poor, South Car- poor South Carolina, man. This Tennessee, is a- Vanderbilt, so maybe four and five. Yeah. And then Appalachian State. This is what a weaponized yeah. Clemson messes up for them forever, right? Like, they're yeah. lucky to get to a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah, that's what exactly they had. App State's a must-win game. Was that when I wasn't paying attention to? Just I, I think you I, mean, I always assume you're always paying attention, but apparently I was I not. Correct. I was doing things, and was that? Well, we talked about baseball, and you have no opinions on yeah. that. So no, I right. didn't even like the sport. I didn't even watch it today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. I don't even know who this Duval guy is. Yeah, he's fine. He plays baseball. It's um, kind of annoying. <laughs> no, uh, Duval, which means you're obviously not related. 
because you're not because no one in the Duval family is annoying. I, I guess I need to get a leaf. What do they call that app? The genealogy app. Twenty uh, three and me. No, not that. That's when you give your blood. Ancestry. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, a I need leaf. to look at that. But he went to, to wait. He, you're supposed to give them blood. No, 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 no. Ugh, no. I think I. Duval went to Louisville. He played, how oh, much, it doesn't matter. How played, much? <laughs> how much of the liquid should we send? He played baseball at Louisville. I don't. I don't know any kin folk. Up in Kentucky. He played Louisville? From. That's what it says on his Twitter page. I follow oh, him on That's why they make that up. Yeah, Colton Wong, um, or my nephew-in-law soon, played mm-hmm. baseball at Hawaii Manoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, he knows, he knows Cole, he's met Colton. I was, like, I was like, hey, uh, so Colton Wong, he's like, yeah, I, I, he was, I think he graduated early his junior year was the year Matt was being recruited right, to right. Hawaii Manoa. And uh, he's like, I don't really, I mean, I met him a few times. I know his sister fairly yeah. well because she, she was there, Hawaii Wong was there. So. You know, I don't know who's starting game five for the Braves. I think it's going to be Fulte. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to recommend him not pitch to Goldschmidt. Just put him on yeah. every single time. Or Azuna. Or, <laughs> no, that's it. Just Azuna and Goldschmidt. Yeah. And, I get, and Yachty late. Uh, Yachty. How many times could there have been a pass ball where Acuna could have scored from third today that Yachty saved? Yachty's the man. 19. Yachty is like. <laughs> he's 38 years old. He's the man. And let's not forget, I guess we're having our baseball moment. Uh, last year, Yachty went through, I would argue, the worst possible injury a baseball player can go through, particularly a catcher. Uh, uh, he got hit in the groin so badly, he missed a month. He was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery. They've been vague exactly about what that <laughs> surgery was. But it was also Jordan Hicks, who throws 103 miles an hour on a foul tip back from Chris Bryant, who hits the ball as hard as anyone in baseball, directly to the crotch oh. of Yadier Molina. He was carted off the field, given emergency surgery like an hour later. And missed a month. They've been very vague about the details of the injury, which is fine. But it's just a reminder, Yadier Molina is the toughest dude in the world. Yadier Molina is the best. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, a, I got, I'm in kind of a Yadier Molina high right now. I, I, can, so, I can edit that out. He's wearing a cup. But the question yeah. is, did the cup get shattered and then something? You just never know. Yeah. It's just a tough situation. Wow. It's, it, it's going to be like beep, it, beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep. It's going to be like Morse code as I edit this. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to talk about, I made a note of this as I was kind of looking at the notes. Um, this is significant. I, you know, whenever I think of South Carolina and I think of this podcast, you know, I mentioned we started and we've never lost to South Carolina. Well, uh, really one of our first couple post-game shows that we ever did was the 2015 South Carolina game, the game that caused Steve Spurrier to quit. The Steve Spurrier retirement game. And I, you, you start thinking like, okay, he quit soon after that. And that put the wheels in motion of, okay, South Carolina's going to hire a coach. They're looking at Kirby. Yeah. Mark Rick had not committed the Fatone right. Balta mistake for another three, four, five weeks later. Yeah. So it's interesting to think that Georgia putting such a beat down, scoring 52 points, on Spurrier, causing him to basically just say, that's it, I'm done coaching, which put the wheels in motion for the outflanking of trying to get Kirby into here instead of in Columbia. Also, let's not forget the guy that took over for Spurrier when he quit is Sean Elliott, the coach of Georgia State, who beat Tennessee at Georgia. And is now an up-and-coming dude. He's like now considered, because they beat Arkansas State last week, even the interim dude was affected by all that. But that's a great callback. I feel like that is one of those classic things in sports where – it pushes everybody forward, right? Like if Spurrier doesn't quit, do we have Kirby? Who knows what happens? Uh-huh. I mean, guys, I'm I look like John Nash in front of a, a window with some chalk and some string right now. So, is there a universe where Rick wins that Florida game or things go better the rest of the season? 
in South Carolina hires Kirby? No. You think after the Alabama loss, it was... I think after the Alabama loss, it was fait accompli, uh, especially... They lost, to, they lost to Tennessee also. Yeah. Well, the, the, the yeah, Alabama was birthday game. party. Right, yes. it was, because yeah. I was... It, but that, that was the Nick Chubb. That was, game that was Nick Chubb, uh-huh. you know, broke his leg off because of the damn turf up there. Yeah. My working theory on that is the Florida game made it easier to do. Um, but you think, you think if I think they it was win gonna every happen. game the rest of the way... That they would they would have fired him because Kirby was available. If he if they beat Alabama, there's no way they. Well, yeah, I'm not forget Alabama. Okay. So if they beat Tennessee and and I don't think you I don't think they have just quite the political will to do it. If he if he goes undefeated, if he goes 11 and one and plays against Alabama again in that CC championship, I don't think there is political will to do it. Um, I think after Alabama and Tennessee, though, the Florida game just made it easier. To me, it's Tennessee. It's like after the Tennessee loss, if they win the rest of the games, do you think he would have still gotten fired? I think there was an appetite for a change there that had been beaten back at some level for some time, uh, probably since 14, at least, maybe even 13, that finally manifests itself when, you know, we, we in this podcast included, don't go back and listen, we had hope against Alabama and looked so woefully behind them. Do not go back and listen to that podcast. Don't, God, Just no. The, the hope is even, awful. I'm even, I'm even the one that, like, the one that like, picked Alabama. Yeah, that it's but, uh, yeah, not great. Know, it, yeah. But um, I, just, I just think that when it became possible that Kirby was going to go to South Carolina. Do you think he would have ever gone? That's a good question. I, my gut instinct is no, but who knows? Uh, he has a very good agent, a very savvy agent. Yeah. And at some point, that agent may well have convinced him, like, you got to make moves sometime. You got to make your move sometime. Yeah. And every, look, maybe Georgia's not ever going to be your place. Because I don't yeah. know that Georgia would have hired South Carolina's coach. Yeah. Frankly, I don't know if we'd even even gone after him, right? But let's go ahead and say that he goes to South Carolina. And is there a world? Think that, do you think they would never have hired him, even if he was awesome at South Carolina and wanted to go? Well, I don't. I mean, I think it's possible, but I, here's the thing: I just don't know that how awesome he would be at South Carolina. But yeah. because yeah, the job. there's a because, right. uh, the because is part of Kirby's success has to do both with the commitment that George is willing to make, and not the South Carolina is not willing to make. I just think George has more money. And two, the natural recruiting base and how much harder it is to recruit to Columbia. Which, frankly, is is the reason why South Carolina is is and will always be behind Georgia and Florida in some level, shape, form, or fashion. So, I thought you were going to talk about the rave party you had there. Well, I'm, yeah, well, it's funny as yeah, we did have a good rave party there. Uh, they do. That was man. That was that. You know, that was South Carolina's biggest victory over Georgia. That 35-7 game in 2012. And I remember walking out there with Tiffany and Wayne and saying, "They're like, I can't believe that." I was like, Guys, we're gonna we're gonna screw around and win the SEC East, and I'll be damned if we didn't. That was the year we went and played Alabama, and we were a. However, you want to say that game ended that close to going to play Notre Dame in the national championship game. So my point is, it's like South Carolina's highest points are totally dependent on at the minimum Clemson, Florida, and Georgia not being good all in the same year. Yeah, and which is. Now, I mean, it's it's hard to fathom, right? <laughs> right. I mean, look, if you'd have told me in in two thousand one that not only would we be a twenty four point favorite at Tennessee, we would win by twenty nine points, and people would be pissed about that. <laughs> yeah. I would have called you crazy, right? right? But you know, the, I mean, the sun shines on, I and mean, the sun doesn't shine on the same dog's ass every year. But 
is hard to imagine with the situation South Carolina's in to be able to you got to, because you don't just have to out recruit Georgia, you have to out recruit Clemson, you have to out recruit the other teams in the SEC, and you also have to out recruit some combination of ACC teams that recruit not only in your backyard but your other natural recruiting base of North Carolina. So, can you sum up quickly for people like me that are still confused why? South Carolina just has never broken through. Is it just the geographic, what you just stated? Is there anything else? Why can Clemson do it and South Carolina can't do it? Um, well, I can't speak to why Clemson can do it. Um, but um, I think just God doesn't like South Carolina. Um, that's the simplest answer. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, I, the, I think the reason is, is that there is a combination of Look, I I'm not a fan of Columbia, South Carolina, and it is I tried very hard because I have students who I love a lot, who are great kids. I have people that I know who are friends who graduate from law school, Georgia, and other places who love the University of South Carolina. I don't see it. It the town is trash. <laughs> it is the stadium is not great. Look, I mean the story that I so told. It's a beautiful railroad, right? Railroad. That, yeah, there is a great fairground close by. Um, <laughs> look, the story I told that the first time I went over there, I went over with Tiffany and Wayne, who have been over there like nearly every year up till 2012. We pulled up and we literally parked in a parking lot of a warehouse, backed up against the wall, and they were jazzed about how nice the tailgate spot was because there was two feet of shade. <laughs> and we were with Georgia people who expressed exactly the same sentiment. It was like. This is really nice because, you know, there's shade and there's not dirt. And walking out of there, there were people that came out of the neighborhood just to taunt us. Uh. And it's, it, look, it is a being, being, being as polite as possible. No, seriously. No, please don't be. Being as polite as possible, it's a shithole. And it, I mean, it, the stadium is fine. Yeah, when they play Sandstorm, you can you can get loud, right? But the fact of the matter is, it's like, it's just, when kids go there and look, they can take them and look at the nice locker rooms they built. They can t- take them around campus. They can show them all the stuff around Columbia. But they can't hide from the fact that the University of Georgia, Clemson University, University of North Carolina, even the University of Florida, as much as it pains me to say that, has a much nicer facility to play in, a much more beautiful bucolic setting to play football in, and to go to football and enjoy the scenery around in South Carolina is not that place. Uh, the, the other towns are um, so how we say less shit holy, less <laughs> holy. <laughs> Even Mississippi State. You know, I've never been. I've never been to Stark Vegas, but you know, we'll do it. We'll do it at some point, though. That'll be fun. Yeah, time. yeah. I, I have to assume that that there is um, a fairly decent battle based on what everyone's told me between Mississippi State and Columbia. But the fact of the matter is, even in Starkville, you don't have to be in Columbia. That's true. That's true. <laughs> They should just move it to Greenville. Greenville's a wonderful town. Yeah, they're too close to Clemson. They got Clemson and Furman yep. and UNC Upstate. <laughs> oh, USC Upstate. They have a minor league baseball team in Greenville. They have a great minor league baseball. They have they get the, the the Green Monster, the little Green Monster. In the little Green Monster. I'm assuming they're a Red Sox affiliate. Yeah. I would hope so. If not, by the way, can we all appreciate the, this moment that the Red Sox aren't in the world saying in the playoffs? Because I just it makes me happy. No, no, can we have a come together moment uh, about Braves Cardinals? Yes. Uh, Brian Snitker was the manager of Adam Wainwright at the in, when Atlanta, Greenville was the Atlanta affiliate. Was he really? So yeah, Snitker has been with the Braves for so. I love Snitker. Like I, I don't always agree with his decisions. But I don't agree with Schultz's decisions either. But Snitker's a dude that you should love, man. He is a lifer. 
that I think look, I, forever, there man. are people that don't like him, and I don't get it because he's a lifer, man. I mean, he's not young and hip and cool and Ivy in the way that all the young managers are now. Yeah, like, I mean, and Wayne Wayne really Wright good. played at what Glen Academy? Do I remember have that right? He's from Brunswick, yeah. so either either Brunswick or uh, Glen Academy. Um, and was traded to the Cardinals. And for, he, who did we get? The trade was Adam Wainwright. Uh, the, the Braves got J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew and Jason Marquis. From Thomasville. Okay. For the record, J.D. Drew was good. and He was fine. J.D. Drew just, was... I just, everybody hated J.D. Drew, but J.D. Drew was good. And J. No, J. we Drew, hated Kenny Lofton. J.D. Drew made... Yeah, and Kenny Lofton was even better than J.D. Drew. Um, J.D. Drew made his uh, major league debut in the game that McGuire hits a six-second home run. One of my favorite factors. Really? Uh, but J.D. Drew and Jason Marquis for Adam Wainwright uh, and Ray King... Ray Ray King, King, the old portly uh, uh, left-handed reliever, crafty left. So he's he was definitely portly. He's a left-handed Terry Forster. Yeah, fat tub of goo, as David Letterman famously put it. Nice. I think I have all their baseball cards. So you've been listening to Waiting Since Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday, but never on Wednesday. Or something. Are we ready for? Are we, so, are we ready for the for the next step? Y'all would be so disappointed if I didn't do all my uh, research. Oh, I assume you have nine pages of trivia. Well, we'd do. just be done. No, we gotta do fun office pools because I'm still oh, yeah. doing great. You know, I did leave out one. I did leave out one point. Fromm has a 78 percent completion <laughs> percentage and ranks third nationally. Well, his goal of hitting 70, 80% is getting close. Fromm is really, really good. No, no, he's a game manager. Georgia is also outscoring teams 84-17 to 17 in the second half. 15 sacks so far on the year. That ranks fourth in the SEC. Georgia had 24 sacks all of last year. And Georgia, I think everybody probably knows this, Georgia is the only team, the only team in the nation that is not allowed a rushing touchdown. You know, it's funny, uh, the... I was looking over some stats today, uh, and this will be a last piece of analysis, and you talk about hashtags. One of the things that I was looking at with Georgia in their, their rushing stats is how few rushes Georgia's had to defend because teams have been behind so much. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know what that means for later in the season, but the one thing that makes me does make me feel good about the fact that Georgia's, uh, Georgia is a top like three to five team in the nation in rushing, even though they're not facing that many attempts is the yards per rush. They're still in the top three to five. And that tells me everything you need to know. It's like teams not, even if, even if, and look, Tennessee had some pretty decent rushes. They had a couple of the longest rushes of the season. It still makes me feel pretty good when you look at that and they're still, you know, hovering just shade under four yards a rush um, because that, that just means you're doing the right things, both uh, on the defensive line and the linebackers. Consider how much Georgia was blitzing against Tennessee this time. We're just really good. Our defense is better than it was last year, and I think we just all need to get used to that. So before we get into trivia and buy or sell and fun office pools, I'd like to thank Seth P. underscore Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's the same guy that didn't want me to answer baseball questions last week. But we're <laughs> cool. We're cool. Um, I'd like to thank him for tweeting out a photo saying that at WSLS Podcast brought me to El Barrio. Yeah, Hashtag man. dogs on top. So I sent that to Narissa. She flipped out. She loved it. Uh, so we appreciate y'all patronizing our sponsor. <laughs> and by that, we don't mean, oh, we mean good it in a good tacos. Way, yeah. Fine. Good tacos. <laughs> I mean. We love that you make tacos. That's not what we no. mean. Not that kind of thing. No, so, oh, uh, look, you have margaritas. Oh, how good for you. Good for you. <laughs> 
And I think different Rob, kind of patron. I think Robert sent us a photo too. So yeah, if you do go to El Barrio or the Pine, or even start bowling at the Eleventh Pin and get yeah. their chicken fingers, I'm telling you, nobody's tweeted at me about confirming that I do say that they have the best chicken fingers. So uh, definitely stop by that. We do appreciate that. And um, good for you. <laughs> one other thing. <laughs> one other thing. Your I'd cups like, are awesome. <laughs> one other thing I'd like to talk about is. Uh, what I said at the end of the show that Will and I did on Sunday, the Bulldogs battling breast cancer. Absolutely. Uh, their 501c3 reached out to us uh, to see if we could help out and promote uh, the things that they're doing coming up. Um, just to remind you, for next week, uh, the 17th and 18th are the first two hockey games of the season. They're playing Clemson and Georgia Tech. And, yes, they're wearing alternate jerseys for those two games. And after the Georgia Tech game, they are raffling off the alternate jerseys and all the proceeds are going to go to the St. Mary's uh, foundation or the, the St. Mary's part where it's benefiting them to buy uh, mobile mammograms and 3d mam- mammogram machines. So uh, please uh, keep that in mind for the Kentucky game. That's next week and it'll be either at three thirty or six. We'll get into that a little bit later, but um, wear pink during that game if you want to, because the, the paint line and the spike squad are going to be wearing pink and uh, Dwight, the the man who reached out to me, who's in charge of it, said that they're ecstatic about the fact that for two years straight in a row, they're going to be represented inside Sanford Stadium during a game. For the record, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of the hockey team. That team is really fun. Uh, Emily Barber uh, was the uh, goalie for the U- University of Georgia hockey team for the last two years. And uh, it was a pretty awesome thing that... Uh, she was really good. They, I, I went to three Georgia games last year. She threw. Two, she had two shutouts. Though to be fair, they won those games like thirteen to zero. So I don't know if the quality of competition was that high, but uh, it was a very cool thing, and it was very exciting for me to see the number of uh, little girls really excited to watch Emily Barber go out there and play goalie. I mean, I guess for a club hockey team, all you got to do is have some kids from above uh, Maryland or something come down and like they're not play playing hockey. Michigan State and Michigan and Yale and like right. It's a club team. It's a club That's team. why they're playing Clemson yeah, and Georgia right, Tech. Right, 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 right. All right, so I'm going to give you all a choice. Do you want buy or sell or trivia first? Uh, let's do buy or sell. Wait, trivia. Okay, buy or sell. Okay, we'll do buy or sell. All right. Tony and Will, buy or sell the Red River rivalry or the Red River shootout? Red River shootout. Shootout. Yeah, they changed that. I know, and I understand. I'm, I get it, but like. It seemed like. I a, mean, I'm empathetic to that, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I, I get it. At but some point, you just got to be like. Like, on. it's okay if. if listen, this, it's like the cocktail party. What they officially call it, they can call it whatever they want to. We're all going to call it what it actually is called. Right. Yeah, because that takes place this weekend. Yes. I did see there was a Texas blogger. It was somewhere on Twitter today. They were. Bashing the fact that Jalen Hurts in his press conference was saying, like, yeah, this is no big deal. I've played in the Iron Bowl. And they were aghast, <laughs> saying that how could <laughs> he that. not have played in this game and consider this, consider the Iron Bowl bigger. I will say one of my, one of my favorite old pieces I've over sports on Earth back in the day, there are so few games like this that are an actual 50-50. You got Georgia, obviously Georgia-Florida. Yeah, you have Texas-Oklahoma. I would argue in basketball, you have Illinois, Missouri, and St. Louis. They played over Christmas every year. The, to actually fi- find a game that is in the neutral site that is 50-50 is so rare and such a unique, cool <coughs> environment. If you ever get a chance to go to, uh, to uh, obviously, Georgia, Florida, we have yeah, a see, we have It's Georgia, Florida, Red River Shootout, Army, Navy. What else? In football, I think that's it. <laughs> Texas A&M, Arkansas. <laughs> 
Oh, Texas and Arkansas. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, basketball yeah. you get. I well, mean, the, Indiana, Louisville don't play anymore. I always, yeah, yeah. I think, I think when Indiana, the, when the Indianapolis schools do their four tournament thing where they do Butler and that's Indiana, actually fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Game and uh, uh, Purdue, Purdue and is yeah, involved. that's I, yeah. fun. Illinois, Missouri is. I think college basketball is probably best example of it. Yeah, uh, this, I don't think Illinois, Missouri is the best rivalry, but they don't do home and home. They do it in a neutral. And it used site. to be uh, Auburn, Alabama, and Birmingham. Yeah. If you have that neutral site thing, and listen, we've all had discussions that Kirby doesn't like the game and so on and so on. To me, it is a, a unique, awesome environment that uh, is really hard to find sports. I used to always joke when I wrote for New York Magazine, well, I guess I still do, but I wrote about this for New York Magazine, that uh, the closest you can come to that is finding the Knicks at the Nets. Yeah. Because uh, there are more Knicks fans. Uh, it's the equivalent of like, you know, Georgia. Georgia, Georgia Tech is slowly becoming this. If you go Georgia, Georgia Tech. And by slowly, you mean rapidly. Yes. <laughs> it starts to feel 50-50. Did you like the Georgia Tech coach, by the way, putting out the tweet of him doing the chop? By the way, I, I think he's a, a goober. I he mean, is a he is a goober. I mean, he's a total goober. I just His name is Geoff, guys. He, Calm he, down. He he's wears a vest when it's ninety five degrees. <laughs> I don't get it. Is he's he trying big, to show that he's tough? Or he's I've never seen goober. Josh Pastner wear a, ga- a vest. Yeah, over time of football. Guy. Yeah, Gayoff Collins. Yeah. Geoff. I can't say it that way. Geoff Collins. All right. We don't want it to sound. We don't want it. I get, get it. Yeah, it's not trying to be funny. We're not trying to be jerks. It's just. Uh, all right, buy or sell. Clemson and Ohio State have already punched their ticket to the college football playoff. Ohio no. State, no. Ohio no. State, no. Um, obviously, I think they're in good position. They look like clearly the best team. There's they, They've got more challenging teams to face than Clemson does. I think Clemson, yes. Ohio State, no. I mean, in Wisconsin, even even not to mention the rest of their schedule. Also, this is the kind of weird year where Michigan would beat them. I mean, honestly, it is because like Michigan last year was the year oh my Michigan gosh, was that to beat would them. be amazing. It would be amazing, right? Harbaugh like is wobbly and doesn't get it going all year, but this is the year he beats them. Maybe the spot will be good. <laughs> okay, buy or sell. Today is our first in studio October show, Halloween. Is about three weeks away. Buy or sell Halloween and the parties and the trick or treating and everything like that. When I was a single person in New York City, I was very much sell. I didn't want nothing to do with this. It was a huge thing. It was just a bunch of people on the streets getting in the way when I was just trying to get to where I was going. Now that I have kids, I, you get to have the ET experience. That's kind of the example I always use. Like to me, one of my the most iconic scene, one of the most iconic scenes in ET is when they all go trick or treating. It always feels like every kid in the world is out there doing stuff on the street. To be able to have that in Five Points is one of my absolute favorite things. That we clear out university. Do not drive through five points on Halloween, by the way, everybody. Um, and uh, so to me, I'm very much a buy now that I have kids. I have long been a sell on Halloween, and there's three very specific reasons. The first is I grew up in the country, so anytime we had to trick-or-treat, we had to go you know, into town to do it. Um, and I always wore the same costume. I was Yogi Bear. Um, the, you weren't Boo-Boo. You were Yogi. No, 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 no. Hey, Boo-Boo, there's Ranger Smith. That's right. And um, the, the second reason is, it's like, I mean, I always end up getting trash candy, and it's <laughs> You're like Charlie Brown getting rocks, dude. It's just I just I don't understand why people just can't give me all Reese's cups. Just don't give me trash candy. And the third is is kids go freaking crazy, man. It's just like I mean, it's like Rumspringa, but with. <laughs> Cocaine is so crazy. Wait, it's just, does already have cocaine? I think there's probably. I don't. I, I think cocaine's a part of If not, they're doing it wrong. As someone that grew up near Arthur, Illinois, an Amish community, I think. Uh, yeah, I, think I forgot. Arthur, whatever yeah. is available, I think. Yeah. Uh, is, have is, you ever 
been an author doing Run Springo? Uh, is, is, this, is this a metaphor asking me if I've done cocaine? Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. I've never been around uh, Rum Springer, uh, but I've, I've certainly seen... Occasionally you will come into someone who is aggressively clearly, celebrating. Clearly I'm Rum Springer. Okay. I was about to say, I was yeah. at... Um, Jupiter's, the pizza place that was out wherever it was. It was yeah. Jupiter's Pizza. Um, there was clear, there was four Amish youth on Rumspringa. It was Do you fine. know you know Rumspringa, yes? I have no idea. What you're okay, talking. awesome. Okay. So basically, uh, this is awesome. So Arthur, Illinois is about 25 minutes from my hometown and 25 minutes from Champaign. Yeah. And it is a heavily Amish community. Okay. And so Rumspringa is basically this, this uh, uh, correct me if I'm not describing it exactly correctly, but the idea is as a Amish youth reaches a certain age, they are given... I wouldn't say free reign, but definitely much more Liberties. extended reign to go out and experience the world in all of its glories that they have never had the opportunity to do so. So they are firmly entrenched and certain of their choice to live the Amish life. It is called Rumspringa, and every once in a while, you will uh, you would if you live close enough to Arthur, you would see a a, a Amish kid who's clearly on a Rumspringa in. Uh, I get you, and he like. And and he's and for the record, it often like sometimes you get like really hardcore people, and they probably should not go back to the Amish faith because they're enjoying Rumspringer too much. More often, someone waves a glass of wine in front of someone, and they take their shirt off and pass out. Yeah. So, uh, but nevertheless, uh, that's Rumspringer. All right, I'll move. I'll move on. Um, buy or sell candy corn? That's a big debate this <laughs> sell, year. Sell, sell, I hate sell, it. Sell, sell. good, but good. put a bowl in front of me, and I'll kill it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, are we talking cocaine again, or are we still talking? <laughs> sure. Let's go with let's go with candy corn. All right, so um, I hope we snort candy corn. Stegmania is on mm-hmm. October 11th this Friday at 7 p.m. There's it's, a dunk contest, three Snoop point dog book. and a scrimmage with Bill Goldberg. Not he's not playing, but there's a scrimmage. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> Georgia gets Goldberg, right? So yeah, buy or sell Stegmania. Stegmania is awesome. It is worth noting that one of our Baseball teams will be playing yeah. in the NLCS that night. And so, therefore, if you're going to enjoy Segmania, realize that that is something you will have to do afterwards, unless your team has lost to the Cardinals, in which case you probably won't want to think about baseball at all. Also that day, by the way, Friday, also that day is the day that El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, comes oh. out. And is not only on Netflix, but is playing at Cine in Athens. Is it really? It is at 515. 5.15, it is playing at Cine. So if you are a big Breaking Bad fan, you want to know yes. what happens. Because one of the reasons that... that uh, uh, sorry, forgive me. One of the reasons... I've forgotten. Uh, his name has fallen out of my head. Brian Cranston? No, the guy that made the show. Jesse Pinkman? Oh. Um, Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan, thank you. Yes. One of the reasons that Vince Gilligan wanted to make sure this movie was in theaters was because they would always do the premieres of the shows at a public theater and like a I know I And he loved that feeling so much that he always wanted to actually have someone watch Breaking Bad with an audience. So yes, it is being released on Netflix. I think at like midnight. However, if you want to wait, there are theaters all across the country, including Cine here in Athens, that are playing the Breaking Bad movie all weekend. So how much of Breaking Bad do I have to have watched to understand the movie? I mean, do you know what happens at the end of Breaking Bad? I mean, yeah. He drives I, off in an El Camino. Well, I mean, like, let's be no careful spoilers. in case any listeners have no not spoilers. watched Breaking Bad. But, uh, uh, I haven't watched it. I think if you need, uh, you need to know what happens. I, can't, I mean, I, I have, in the, fact, gist. In I have fact, the gist. In fact, Gilligan has even said 
he said, you know what, I thought about, there's a great interview with him in Hollywood Reporter this week, where he said, I thought about saying, making this movie for people, like acknowledging people that have never seen Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. to give them some sort of intro into it. And I thought, you know what, all that's going to do is just annoy the people that are desperate to watch this, and it's going to waste t- desperate uh, key time that I need to tell a story I yeah. So I think if you have not watched the show, I don't think you'll probably get a lot out of it. Uh, but look, making, look at it, making a 110 minute movie is far better than trying to take and tell the tell the story so everyone understands. Yeah, doing so 220. I, so I think I think that that uh, I think if you're a fan, you'll eat it up, obviously. But if you if you're not, uh, I, I I would imagine you'd be on the outside looking in. Okay. Yeah. So even though that wasn't a buy or sell, I would definitely buy El Camino. Yeah. So that's a big day. It's Friday, is what I'm saying. Not buy. I'm not going to buy an El Camino. That's you should buy an El Camino. There was one for sale up there across from Bell's. Yeah, a couple I'm weeks ago. A fan. Dude's got that. Dude working on our house right now has got an old Ford Ranger from like 1963. Respect. What do you have done to your house? Love it. We're uh, we're making the porch into Alexa's office. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's getting enclosed, it's getting yeah. air conditioned, everything's yeah. pretty awesome. She Your dad didn't want to do that? No. Um, she, I'm, I'm, she probably will be too busy to decorate, but I, of course, I will not notice either way. Yeah. Encouraging everyone, by the way, go listen to. Uh, to My wife's podcast, mm-hmm. Pretty Powerful with Jenny Sue Makeup, because she interviewed. Alexa, Will's My wife. wife. My wife was on her podcast this week, and they told a story that everyone else finds amusing about me. To me, this is, uh, I don't understand why. I don't find the story amusing at all. I don't find it not amusing. I just feels like it's just you. Yeah. Right. right. I, I don't, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not offended or embarrassed by the story, but I also don't understand what find, makes it noteworthy either. Yeah, is it because a, you wear mustard-colored clothes? I, I don't understand. Never wear, I don't even know what the hell mustard color is. <laughs> That's why I said that, because yeah. you're like... <laughs> I mean, realize when I met my wife, my wife is a decorator, and she's obviously very skilled with uh, she's very good and she's really into color and uh, when I met my wife I owned three pairs of jeans and six pairs of black t-shirts and I wore those every single day and I was happy and uh, that's Brooklyn as hell though. that is uh, I would do that forever if I had the opportunity but now yeah if you want to hear what our better halves are like yeah uh, it is as I was editing it I laughed out loud it was a good podcast and I it thought was, it was a good podcast it was really interesting I'll link that in the show notes of this episode, but the, my only my only uh, protest with the episode is every time Alexa talks about uh, as asked about uh, me and travel, you would think that I like go away and live on a submarine for nine months and then come back and return to my family. <laughs> like I go who away is this two, weird man, mommy? Yeah, I go away for like two or three days every three weeks. Anyway, all right, last one: buy or sell turning off a game that your favorite team is playing in because you get frustrated. Because I did that. In the Georgia game? The Braves game. Well, which game? Today. (laughs) But it was like tied. I knew it was going to happen in the bottom of the 10th once Goldschmidt got on second base. And then I I checked it on the phone and I realized... I I suppose there's a level of self-preservation to it. I I will admit... I don't understand it, but I I understand it. I I will admit there were times of the game today I walked away. There have been times where I walked away from Georgia games. I can't turn it off. I got to come back and watch yeah. the carnage. I feel like there's a. I I, I will say there's during closure for you. you got closure when the Cardinals were down four three the day. There's a certain rationalization. That yeah. falls, I didn't turn yeah. it off, but there's a certain uh, okay. You know what? If they lose, I have a very busy month. Sure. So like I can, this, I will be able to free up more time to spend time with my family, which I'm ordinarily away on a submarine from, <laughs> uh, and be able to actually hang out with my family a little bit more. So yeah, you rationalize a little bit, but actually turning it off a while. Away. I don't know if I can quit. I mean, a great point to think about. Imagine if you turned the game off last night. 
you would have missed an incredible comeback. Oh, I know. And, no, I'm, I'm, and, and look, whether have you guys seen my video of all the fans uh, at, yes. at game one uh, walking out? I had to I had to delete like three tweets I was going to send you, and then I finally <laughs> just didn't tweet at you. <laughs> I'm I, sorry, I didn't say a word. No, I know. I just accurately. I was going to be snarky though. Yeah, I was just accurately I, representing. Yeah. I'm just saying. Think about it. You, you'd have missed. You'd have missed that. Yeah. I would have missed Duval coming through. Yeah, and and I do have to make one other comment. There is high comedy to me for the Cardinals, Cardinals players. I won't say the Cardinals. Cardinals players telling a Braves player, just play the game oh, the right way. Oh, don't, don't get me started. I'm I know t- I don't have to get you started. I totally agree. But and consider the, the idea that Carlos Martinez, who, listen, I have, is one, have been one of my favorite players for several years, but one of the reasons I've, he's been one of my favorite players is because older players are always yelling at him to respect the game. And, like, to, to, like I guess – we well, all, he turned 35. Yeah, that's we all, the, we all get old enough to be, become the, uh, the yeah. people that yell at the youngers. Uh, I wrote a piece about this for MLB uh, after game one. It is baffling to me why you would look at game one and the story would be, well, the guy that had three hits, a homer, and a double, and an incredible catch in center field – is somehow the person that we should be talking about because he didn't run out a play. And listen, he should have run it out. I want to be clear about that. Like, he should have run it out. But the idea, like, it probably didn't actually cost them a run, or at least you have to make a leap of faith to believe that they would have scored a run there. And more to the point, who cares, man? You would have never even had a chance to be close in that game if it hadn't been for Acuna. I, I've written about this before. It's called the superstar star fallacy. When you're the best player on the team and your team falls just short, they don't blame all the crappier players that, that are lesser than you. They blame the superstar. And uh, I think Acuna hits that a little bit. No, I think Acuna should do Acuna. I mean, he's a generational player. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. You know who I would have a problem with it? Anybody in my son's Little League of team course. And or I agree. a college baseball player I or something like that. I could but, not agree more. And there is a difference. Yeah. And that is the key to that piece. Uh, people are like, well, would you want your kid playing that way? No. no. I wouldn't want my kid playing no, that way. No, would my kid have be played that way? Yeah. He's also seven and actually like really small and not an otherworldly talent. And like the I, like, oh, Let I, me be clear. Metaphorically, I wouldn't actually. With ass, yeah, but. <laughs> but like I think that's exactly right. And to me, there seems something um, moralizing. Uh, I, if I have a general philosophy of sports, it is there's something. I don't think that sports is a is a is a moral test. I think it's a physical test, and I think it's a mental test, and I think it even be an emotional test. It is not a moral test. There is no <clears throat> right way. There is a right way for your kids, and there's a right way to train them, but in the same way that you will train your children about religion or train, train your children about family life or train your children about certain things, they have to make their own decisions. Oh, for heaven's sakes, go have fun. It's a game. Exactly. Like, you give them a baseline of, like, listen, this is how you should probably do this, but you need to figure out your own way. And so the idea that this 21-year-old, uh, 22-year-old, multimillionaire guy who has who almost hit 40-40 and is, to me, a better player than than Chipper Jones and a better player than any of the and Andrew Jones and some of these great players we've seen. Acuna is a once in a generation player. The idea that you would look at that guy and be like, yeah, but he didn't run hard enough out of the box says to me more about you than it does about the player. So would this be an equivalent of letting go of the ball before you get to the end zone? And your celebration after you pick it off and you've run I think, 50 no, yards. No, I think that's and, much more damaging than what Acuna does. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I mean, him him doing a hop skip and staring at a ball 
and I agree, he should have run that ball out, right? Yeah. Um, him doing a hop step and his little dance around the bases, or not dance, his jig, especially going around third, that doesn't affect the outcome of the play that's happened, right? You drop a ball because you're turning around taunting somebody. You didn't actually score. You didn't actually touchdown. score. You fumbled. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Like, that's, that's what happened yeah. to DeAndre you, Baker last you year got, in South Carolina. You got, me, the you better, got 84 yards, yeah. and you, then you turn the ball over. In the same way that if someone tries to do a crazy dunk in the NBA but yeah. misses and costs them, cost them points, that's so much worse, too, because you didn't put the dunk down. It is not good that he didn't get to second base. I've, I've never argued that he should have not gone to second base. But if that's your takeaway when he is so incredible in every possible other way, it feels it feels moralistic about sports in a way. It feels cranky old man being like, well, like as I said in the piece, people always talk like Pete Rose. People should more play baseball the more like Pete Rose. Like Pete Rose's nickname, Charlie Hustle, was given to him by Whitey Ford to make fun of him because he sprinted to first base on a walk. He's like, look at Charlie Hustle over here. And for some reason, people decided it was a generational ethos. Uh, Baseball is a sport that is played uh, over 162 games, and it is a grind. You have to chill. You have to. There are times to rest your energy and not sprint around like a lunatic all the time. What Will said. I wish uh, Goldschmidt had... Admired his double today in the top of the tenth. <laughs> Not made it to. Listen, seven. all told, I will prefer it was a my guy run. It right, was a like, ground rule like, double. Like, obviously, Acuna would have been on third on the yeah. ground rule double. He hit in the second. Yeah, that's I mean the, the thing, ninth. Man. Listen, Acuna, Acuna should run. Like I'm not, I'm not saying okay, don't yeah. run. Like no one's not but saying. I'm not going to kill him for it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to trivia. We are desperately late on time. Sorry. Are we? Well, I mean, I got to edit this thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, trivia Maybe question number one. Georgia is looking to win its fifth straight game versus USC Junior. Remember in 2015, Steve Spurrier, we kind of touched on this. Steve Spurrier was coaching. Georgia quarterback Grayson Lambert had himself a night passing for 330 yards and three touchdowns. How many passes did he attempt and complete? He was 24 or 25. That's correct. What number did Grayson Lambert wear? 17? 19. You were number 11. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And Jake, reti- Jake Fromm's emulating yeah. him. And they retired it for him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so something popped up on Twitter today. Some people were making some comments about, and I don't, I don't blame Matt for doing this, but he made some comments about Grayson Lambert. And we, and we on the show have been guilty of this. Lambert had a perfectly serviceable season. I mean, he was exactly the quarterback we thought he was going to be. He had two, maybe three bad games. Uh, a couple of the games where his numbers weren't that great. We had 300 yards rushing. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't, no one's ripping on Grayson Lambert. It's just Georgia should have a better quarterback than Grayson Lambert. Well, yeah, but yeah. you want to blame Grayson Lambert, fine, blame quarterback recruiting. But, but, exactly. But, but, that, but, that, but, but the threat on that also is like, well, the offensive line wasn't great. Blame offensive line recruiting. Yeah. Defensive line's not great. And that is the reason why people did – they lose right. back to what we're talking about before. That's why people wanted Mark Rick gone because yeah. – there was always one place with recruiting. We were never there. All right. There are three University of Georgia players who were on that 2015 team that are currently playing now for Georgia. They played under Coach Richt. They're the three last remaining holdovers. Name those three players. Okay. So they're fifth-year seniors. Mm-hmm. Simmons. No. Fifth-year seniors. Oh, um, um, Trey Hill. Uh, no. Hell, he's a no. I think he's a sophomore. So, no. Yeah, I think you're right. It's um, not Tyler Clark either. 
Reed? No, he transferred in. Well, from Tulsa. Okay, any starters? Yeah. Who are starting seniors? Warner wasn't. Nope. Here then. It's not Warner. This is good podcasting. Yeah. This is That's good. a great question. Um, uh, how many starters? All starters? I mean, maybe definitely two starters and one that plays. Who would be starting inside? Here's the, here's, he, this is a commentary on where Georgia is, right? Is that we have fifth year seniors and we can't even think who they are because there's. Okay. All right, we'll give it. Get, go yeah, who are they? Do you want to know? Yeah, it's Camarada? Camarada? How do you say his He's name? He's a sophomore. Yeah, it's not just I don't know. Camarada. All right, senior defensive tackle Michael Barnett. Okay. Okay. Senior linebacker Tay Crowder. Crowder, we should have got. Crowder, we should have Oh, wow. Crowder is he got. really? I mean, the funny thing back, is, right? yeah, back. he was running back, right. but he's really just as emerged this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we I mean, he had, a, he had a decent season last year. Well, he had a decent uh, Rose Bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. We should have yeah, been. I should have got Crowder. Yeah. And senior kicker Rodrigo Blankenship. No. Yes. Wait, what? He redshirted in 2015. So he was a, he was at school, though he was not actually officially. It's really in the media guide. But he was yeah. redshirted, but he wasn't even on scholarship. I, I got this off of George. No, I, no. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm with, no, I'm with Scott. Here. I believe that he was in school. I don't. And he was on the team. He was says a walk-off. 2015 redshirt. Huh? I didn't realize he redshirted. That's crazy. So that's the because yeah, okay. I was sitting there thinking about Rod. It's like no, Rod's a senior. Actually, he's a graduate. Yeah, he graduated from high school in 2015. He's gonna like collect degrees by the time he gets out of here. He's gonna gonna collect the social security. (laughs) He's my favorite Don and recruit. No one, (laughs) no one's collecting social security. Okay, South Carolina was added to the SEC in 1991. Name the previous conferences they competed in. Okay, so ACC, ACC, SEC, Southern, Independent. From 1922 to 1953, they were in the Southern Conference. 53 to 71, they were in the ACC. 72 to 83, they were in Metro. Were they in the Metro? They were Metro for basketball. 83 to 91, the Metro Conference, okay. but no football. Yeah. Very good, Tony. Again, another South Carolina question. South Carolina is one of two SEC schools that fields a Division I men's soccer team. What conference do they play in? And who is the other SEC school that plays men's soccer? Kentucky. That's correct. ACC. They don't play in the ACC. Sunbelt. No. No idea. Conference USA. Oh, okay. They play with Charlotte, Marshall, Florida International, Kentucky, Old Dominion, UAB, and Florida Atlantic. Okay. And the final trivia question, there are two famous South Carolina soccer players, one that even plays in the MLS. Brad Guzan. That's correct. And the other one is... Christian Pulisic? No. 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 He doesn't currently play. He is the CEO of Creature Comforts, Chris Heron. Chris Heron played at South Carolina. He played on a soccer scholarship at South Carolina, and he was actually interviewed for this podcast it's waiting since last Saturday, episode eighty. I'm about to say it's fairly early. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So yeah, that's your uh, that's your trivia for tonight. Well, Atlanta United's first playoff game, by the way, is uh, the same day as as the Kentucky game. Is it okay? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't looked at the schedule. Do we know? Who, no, we don't know who that will be. Yet. Yeah, it's New England. It will be New yeah. England. Hey, look, that worked out three yeah. one. Yeah. Um, single elimination now. They do not go back and forth. Oh, it is single elimination. Mm, they changed the playoff format this year. Really? I'm, yeah, I know. I'm kind of bummed about it, too. I like the, I liked the mm, way it was before. 
You ready for uh, fun office pulls? Yes, let's do this. All right, the leader in the clubhouse. With uh, but, uh, do we have reviews or do we not? No, we don't have any reviews. Uh, give us reviews. I, I don't overstate We had that. a couple pop in. It takes a while to populate, yeah. so we'll probably have one. I don't want to overstate this, but I think our readers, our, history's, our listeners are history's greatest monsters. Well, guys, right. I just go home and cry to, cry to myself to sleep with my huge pillow. Do, we say, do I dare say war criminals? I think you might be war criminals, listeners, until you give us a review, and then we love you. Uh, we have a tie for first place this week. P.A. Illini Dog with 279 points. And Dog Gone Dog are tied atop of the leaderboard. 279. Uh, uh, Paris Walton is fourth, 276. And, who is 12th? Uh, who is 12th? Tony Waller with 271 points. <laughs> How funny you ask. Will, where are you? I had a rough week. I missed the Arkansas State game. Arkansas State game. I missed the Florida game. Yeah, I don't think I think our best person missed three games. So. Yeah, I didn't have a good week. I'm yeah. I'm 119th. Yeah, but that's no, fine. I'm, I'm that's obviously expected. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to the pool pick. This is in no particular order. Mississippi State at Tennessee. As much as I would like to see uh, to say that Tennessee made a step forward, this feels like a step back. I'm taking Mississippi State. Essentially, they've got to play the way they played against Georgia in the first quarter, a whole game, and they haven't shown the ability to do that yet. I think Mississippi State's going to handle them pretty good. Let's go with Louisville at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated still. <laughs> and this is a favorite. It's a great, but it's only like five points, right? Six and a half. Louisville was not bad last week, by the way. Yeah, no, they looked they no, look fine. They were not bad last week. But I, I believe in Wake. I believe in Wake. I'm taking Wake. Yeah, give me the Demon Dickens. I think I saw that uh, Iowa is ranks like in the top five of team defense, yet, and they held Michigan to ten points last week. Yet they still lost. They lost ten to three. They did. They are hosting Penn State this week. Penn State seems to have figured something out the last couple of weeks. Their offense has been huge. They crushed Maryland. Uh, I think Penn State uh, keeps going and wins this. Yeah, I think it's a close game, and I think it's another ugly game because that's what the game Iowa wants to be in. But I think Penn State's got a little too much firepower. They certainly have a better offense than than Michigan. No, I would say that this line would be enticing if I were a betting man. Penn State's favored by three and a half. I would jump on them a ton. But take it for what it's worth. Okay, uh, another Big Ten matchup. Michigan State still licking their wounds from uh, that where they didn't even show up against Ohio State, basically. They travel to Wisconsin. Do they have a chance against their running game? <laughs> that is a, that's a terrible matchup for them. I don't think Wisconsin's going to continue their string of scoring like nine straight uh, rushing touchdowns or nine rushing touchdowns a game. But Michigan State is uh, – I just don't think they're going to be quite good enough to stay with Wisconsin. I think it's going to be a close game again, but I don't think they win. I think Wisconsin may shut them out. Wow. Southern Cal, night game up in South Bend. What's the spread on this game? It's pretty close, too. Here's the problem with a freshman quarterback, and and we'll see this Saturday night, or Saturday at noon, Saturday morning. Um, The problem with a freshman quarterback is he can be really, really good, or he can be really, really bad. I think Notre Dame's defense is good enough to to put them in a situation where he's just going to be baffled at times. And uh, that game being on the road, too, I think Notre Dame wins. I agree. Arkansas at Kentucky. Arkansas was a little feisty against Texas A&M a little bit. I still feel like Kentucky wins. I think they spent their nut there. uh, Who? Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, so you're taking Kentucky? Yes. 
Kroger Field is a tough place to play. And definitely a tough place to exit. There's like eight exits in the only And field in the you also can get fuel points. <laughs> Mississippi at Missouri. Missouri's going to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> good for Missouri, man. Listen, Missouri's... Rolling. Missouri's what we said they would be, yeah. right? I mean, There's, good defense, good enough offense. Although, Kellen Bryant, yeah. Kelly Bryant... Um, did get hurt. I haven't seen and it's it. not like he's been awesome. Dude, no, John Reese Plumley yeah. has been awesome for Ole Miss. Except for when he's not. <sighs> yeah. I'm taking he's Missouri. He's got some wheels. I'm not as certain as Tony is, but I'll take Missouri. Yeah. I'm going to take Mississippi. I mean, that's a close, geographically close game. They should be in the SEC West. Missouri should be. Sure. Don't you agree? Isn't that weird? They're still in the East? I think it's weird that Missouri's in the SEC at all. So. I disagree. Amen. I disagree. Amen. Pretty I think it's well. weird South Carolina's in the SEC. That too. All right, we'll move on. Texas at Oklahoma. Guys, there's going to be shooting out. <laughs> because people really want Oklahoma to have a close game, and they didn't look great last week against Kansas, and Texas has come up and bit them the last couple of years. I actually feel like this is a definitive Oklahoma blowout, actually. I'm taking Oklahoma big. I think Oklahoma rides them like a rented horse. Alabama at Texas A&M. <laughs> Speaking of rented horses, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, look, Jimbo Fisher gets paid what's seven point five divided by twelve. A lot. Yeah, gets paid a lot, regardless of what happens in this game. They have looked steadily worse. That is the worrisome part, right? They actually like they're not getting better, and they're not like that's that's the thing is you you knew they were going to have tough games this year and th- with the schedule, but they don't look like they're actually improving. Yeah, they, and they don't. But they always have one game a year at home where they. They just just show out. Um, it, it, even if this is game, Alabama wins. I recommend going back and watching the uh, Johnny Football game against Alabama instead. One of my it's, truly favorite college football games of all time. It it's was he amazing. Wasted those dudes. That yeah, was so fun. It was was. And then finally, uh, game day is just I guess following Florida around this past couple of weeks. They're going to it's a Florida uh, Baton bias. Rouge. Florida bias. <laughs> yeah. They're going to Baton Rouge. They've got it at night. It's going to be seventh-ranked Florida at number five LSU. So a lot of hay has been made about Florida beating Auburn, and I am look. I listened to most of this game driving back from the funeral in South Georgia, and I've confirmed with multiple people that watched this game that it was as ugly in vision as it was on the ears. I'm not saying that Florida's a bad football team, and I'm not saying that we can't lose to Florida. I am saying that LSU is a better football team. I am saying their offense is better, their defense is better, and LSU is going to wipe the field with them. I'm not ready to go that far. I feel like Florida's got a couple. This feels like a game where a couple weird plays go Florida's way to keep it closer. I do think LSU is the better team, and I think they'll win. But I, I can see this being a little bit feisty. I'm Florida's... Got a little bit more. That defense is better than I thought it was, and I thought it was pretty good. So I think Burrow... I mean, if Burrow throws, I'll put it this way, Burrow throws 350 or 400 on Florida, he should be considered for the Heisman because I think this is the best defense they'll face. Let's be clear. I hope they don't sack Kyle Trask because that really, that really hurts Dan Mullen's feelings. <laughs> I think LSU wins, but I think this will be tight. It's a fun game, man. This is, this, this is a fun one. No, it's the best game of the week. Yeah. That's why it's fun office pools. I mean, I think it's better than Texas-Oklahoma Texas, oh, okay. as far as compelling. I agree. And then uh, this is not on the pick, but uh, we've got to make our picks for yeah, Georgia. Illinois, Michigan. Do you want to? <laughs> no. Are, are they playing? Yeah, the Illinois, Michigan plays at noon. What it's, do you, it's, what's going to happen? It's, it's all, the whole thing's falling apart. It's, it's time to fire Lovey. I, I don't. I, 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 I think I can encapsulate it perfectly when I say 
Illinois thinks it's a rivalry. Michigan has no idea where Illinois is. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and that's that's true. Even when Illinois is good, and they're not. Yeah. Shout out to Purdue. I don't usually give shout outs to mm-hmm. Purdue, but they are wearing a uniform honoring um, NASA. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because Florida because Purdue is a great engineering school. Many yeah. astronauts have gone and they've Purdue. got the including shield, Neil Armstrong, the shield that looks like the yeah. I guess spacesuit shield where it's kind of goldish or something. Are they wearing Spachemin uniforms? What? Spachemin uniforms? Spaceman. <laughs> 30 Rock. Okay. I don't watch 30 Rock. Oh, kind of, I don't have time to watch TV. I gotta edit podcasts. Show actually ended about 10 years ago. <laughs> Same show was before <laughs> podcasts for a thing, but whatever. All right. So, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I really wish this game was a little bit later. Uh, my family is going. That means like my daughter and. My boys always go, but like everybody's going. And I wanted uh, Jennifer and my daughter to see the red lights, but that'll have to wait a week. Um, Georgia's won four in a row in this game, and it didn't really feel that close last year when that first quarter happened. And DeAndre Baker uh, took it back before he fumbled, but then somebody recovered it in the end zone. But Georgia really stepped on the gas last year. They truly shown that they've become a third quarter team they're going to keep it interesting in the first half and like last year against south carolina they roll off 21 straight points and even had the best man robbing drive where they didn't score at the fourth quarter against south carolina south carolina last year i think a lot of it is going to kind of uh materialize to be the same this year in sanford stadium i'm i think this team has shown that we are going to kind of feel our way out in that first quarter, second quarter, but then take charge in the third and fourth. I look it to be about like last week, final score wise. Uh, it's not going to be any weird going for twos early, which I still don't agree with chasing points that early. We're going to just keep it at a nice, clean, easy to figure out 42 to 21 game. I think this goes maybe a little bit the opposite of the Tennessee game. I think they come out. It goes pretty smoothly. Maybe they intercept the uh, Helensky pass early, and this gets to be like 21 nothing, 24 nothing, 24 3. And then the second half is let's just get the running clock and, and get this <laughs> over with. So uh, I feel like the final score is like 34 to 10, Georgia. Um, I'll I probably fall in between. I think this will be a game where South Carolina will show more fight um, than they have against. Good teams. Knowing Muschamp, I think they're going to want to keep the ball out of Georgia's hands, which means they're going to want to try to run the ball. Tennessee was able to do it some. Um, I, I think Helensky will throw the ball well enough, especially in the first half, to keep the, the number of possessions Georgia has in the first half down. Um, if that's the case, I mean, you could end up with a game that we look back on and think of, like the Vanderbilt game, a 36 win. I think, one, I think South Carolina scores more points. I think we do too. But, you know, I think in the end, we probably manball them enough where they just kind of kick themselves out and we win, say, 38-17. 38-17. All right. You know, we were all pretty close in our predictions for the Tennessee game. Yeah, hey, thanks for calling me out when I said don't li- don't listen, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't going to listen or look until you put that out there, and I, that intrigued me. So, <laughs> um, All right, well, back in the saddle. Back, back, uh, I'm glad that we are back on a normal schedule now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even though baseball's going on and none of us get sleep, if 
Although well, we right have now, because the, they've all been after right now, games. the Nationals are winning. Oh yeah, they're about to win. There is there's one out. They're up six one in the ninth, which means we are looking at a five, Ooh, five o'clock, o'clock start first pitch as opposed to eight twenty. Is that good for your schedule? I mean, it's I mean, far better, right? It's definitely better for all of us. It's definitely better, and uh, so yeah. So this time next week, when we're doing our preview show for Kentucky, it'll be episode two hundred. Oh, Yay! We got to do something for that. Maybe make a cake. We should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. So, um, all right. Well, we'll finish up as we finish up with every show. Uh, go Braves. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say that wrong? I think I'm, I may have misspoken. Um, go dogs. I can't even. <laughs> go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to visit our podcast partner restaurants, Tacos at El Barrio, the traditional Southern cuisine at The Pine, or the pub food over at Pub on Main in Watkinsville. And if you do, do what a lot of other listeners have done and tweet us a photo. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. Tweet us a photo of what you order, maybe the atmosphere, anything like that. Links to all of our podcast sponsor restaurants and Five Points Bottle Shop are linked in the show notes of this episode. And that'll do it for this week. We look forward to an early tailgate in Athens, and we'll see you on campus this Saturday. And as always, go dogs.